0: Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent Metastrategy Digital Symposium. The topic we covered was cultivating an enterprise mindset. And the panelists who spoke about it were Michelle Green, the Chief Information Officer of Global Technology and Business Services of Cardinal Health, and Marco Argenti, the Chief Information Officer of Goldman Sachs. The gentleman who led the conversation was Metastrategy Co-Head of Executive Networks, Research and Media, Stephen Norton, who joins me now. Stephen, welcome.
1: Hey, Peter, thanks for having me. Great to see you as always. Well, Stephen,
0: I noted the topic a moment ago uh, cultivating an enterprise mindset. Talk a bit about why that was an important topic for us to cover from your perspective, as well as why Michelle and Marco were well suited to talk about it.
1: We find that exceptional technology leaders are actively breaking down organizational silos and finding more effective ways to drive major change initiatives. They're updating their operating models, embracing new team structures. And really taking a horizontal view across the organization to answer a question that I think everyone can really get behind, which is, how do we deliver better experiences for customers? So it was great to speak with Michelle and Marco, two truly standout leaders, about how they're adopting that enterprise mindset, not only in themselves, but also how they're evolving their company culture and really instilling that mindset and those behaviors in others. Marco is making big moves to transform his engineering organization at Goldman. He talks about this concept of an engineer 2.0, these people who are not only great coders, but also know how to bring the business lens into everything that they do. And I I really appreciated the conversation with him. He brought some great insights into how teams can both figuratively and sometimes quite literally put themselves next to customers and build solutions that help them solve real problems. Um, And then Michelle articulates the enterprise mindset so well. She, she starts off talking about how CIOs are business people who just happen to work in technology. And she has so many insights on how to strengthen alignment, both with teams, C-suite peers, the board, and many others, and how enterprise-wide digital fluency initiatives are bringing more voices to the table and really bringing more people along on the transformation journey. And so to me, both Michelle and Marco are great examples of leaders who are kind of turning the tables on this traditional business versus IT dynamic. At Goldman and Cardinal Health, it's increasingly harder to tell who's business and who's IT. And I think both of their stories really underscore the evolution of the CIO from tech leader to real enterprise change agent.
0: Well, thanks for that overview, Stephen. Let's get right into the conversation. Cultivating an enterprise mindset with Michelle Green of Cardinal Health, Marco Argenti of Goldman Sachs, in conversation with MetaStrategy's Zone Stephen Norton.
2: So I'd love to introduce Marco Argenti. He's the CIO at Goldman Sachs global investment bank and financial services organization with roughly $60 billion in annual revenue um, and an organization that has traditionally been, been quite known for being forward thinking when it comes to technology and innovation. Um, he leads the engineering organization at Goldman, more than 12,000 uh, developers, engineers and others around the world. He also sits on Goldman's management committee, the technology risk committee, um, and a number of others. And prior to joining Goldman, he spent six years uh, as VP of technology for Amazon Web Services. So played a big role in product development for the cloud services that I I would bet a lot of people on this call are very familiar with today. Welcome, Marco.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Steven.
2: And then our other panelist today is Michelle Green. She's the EVP Chief Information Officer for Global Technology and Business Services at Cardinal Health, a Fortune 15 healthcare services company with more than $180 billion in revenue. In her role, she oversees enterprise IT, Fuse, which is the company's commercial technology engine, Uh, global business services, and a lot more, which we'll get into shortly. Um, She joined the company in 2021 as SVP of IT for the company's pharmaceutical segment, and then took over the CIO role in August of last year. And before joining Cardinal Health, she was the VP of IT at Masco Corporation, and has held a number of roles at Johnson Controls, Sony Ericsson, and others. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And so, Michelle, I thought that we would start with you. When we were doing some prep for this, you mentioned that last year Cardinal Health it's quite a large reorg that was focused on driving some of this real enterprise alignment. Could you walk us through a little bit of what that reorg looked like and some of the changes that you're starting to see?
4: We had the opportunity to do a reorg and you know, I'm really big on not doing change for change sake, but right then I had some pieces move that made it an opportune time to make some adjustments. I think the biggest thing we had also spoken about, Stephen, was around enterprise thinking, making sure that I lined up my organization with focus of course on our segments, because anyone is familiar with Cardinal, knows we have a pharmaceutical segment, a med- medical segment and our corporate offices. So in looking at that, we wanted to make sure that there was responsibility across all, that we're putting the right level of energy and focus. Our CEO is infamously known for saying focus on the core. So we're trying to make sure we're doing the things that make sense and that are right right now for our business. So that was my main driver behind my organizational changes, is making sure we have the right people doing the right roles, but also making sure that we take the opportunity to emphasize enterprise thinking across the organization.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, and Marco, could you talk a little bit about you know, across your, your group of 12,000 plus folks, how you drive some of that enterprise thinking among the, the engineering teams?
3: Yeah, so that's really like uh, uh, it, it ultimately a change uh, in the role of engineers uh, you know, in, the, in the 21st century, meaning that uh, you kind of go from the back office to just straight to uh, uh, close to the customer. And I think the biggest uh, uh, you know, like cultural shift is when engineers are really thinking about the why of what they're building, really putting themselves in the shoe of, uh, of developers. So I don't think today an engineer to be true to their profession can be purely technical. They need to be somehow a mix of technical and product management. but Most importantly, really understand uh, the customers and really understand what the customers want. Because, uh, you know, today in a world where uh, uh, business and technology are really uh, interchanged, sometimes it's hard to tell, uh, you know, where the line is, especially when it comes to things like data science, or when it comes uh, to things like, you know, alpha generation, or when it comes to things about, uh, you know, they're of a strategic nature. Many companies are strategically enabled or limited by their technology capabilities. It's pretty clear in a digital world. And so how can you be an engineer without understanding your customer? And so within uh, uh, the organization, one of the big changes that we've made was uh, to really start uh, the development process of, uh, of any solution working backwards from the customer. So having engineers asking themselves five questions, which is first of all, who's your customer? What is it that you're really trying to solve there for them? Is that a big opportunity or is that a big uh, uh, blocker? And then how do you know that there is actually an opportunity or a blocker? How do you measure that? How's the user experience? Those are the first questions. You're kind of shifting left on the consumer uh, and the purpose of the solution. And not the other way around, which has been traditional in IT, which is, you know, we actually have a piece of technology and now we're going to go around the shop for, uh, for use cases. That's completely the other way around. So uh, at the beginning of every project, we start with the working backwards uh, documents that engineers put together. It's a narrative that explains uh, the, the solution from the view of a customer. And I have to say, customers here is defined as uh, anyone that actually is consuming a service, internal or external. So there are plenty of internal customers. One of those internal customers are the most important ones. And I think for us, there has been uh, the number one way that you know, we really drive this enterprise customer-centric mentality in our developers.
4: And Marco, I will have to say, first of all, I guess either I can come work for you or you can come work for me because we're on the exact same page. <laughs> one, thing, um, one thing I would- i would be happy myself, to
3: work for you.
4: <laughs> I tell my team all the time, we are business people that happen to work in technology. That's right. And that's because we need to have the right mindset because without understanding business, and I would argue without having business people that understand technology, we will not continue to win the battle, whether it's coming to technology, talent, or even when we're looking to try to put in great solutions and innovate within the company.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: 100%. And I, I really appreciate the way that you've kind of described the, the customer or the patient or the the end user as that key unifier across all of these teams. And Being able to take that extra step of saying, we're going to document, putting ourselves in the shoes of those people, so we really do understand that journey is is tremendous. Um, As you both know, obviously, there's a lot of work in influencing your teams and teams across the organization in kind of developing that enterprise mindset and growing that muscle. But there's also a lot of kind of day-to-day work with with the leadership team and and thinking about your peers in the organization and other leaders across the company um, as you try to drive that. Uh, Michelle, I'm curious to hear about how you work with um, leaders in your organization and, and other stakeholders to really drive some of that um, alignment at a, at a leadership level.
4: So one of the things is if we go back to my organizational change, I took the opportunity to have conversations at different levels within the OR before it was actually rolled out. So I was looking at this as an opportunity to have some buy-in and gain some partnership as we take this next step. The next thing is within my organization, I also have business partners. So I have people within my team and my org that are specifically focused on how are they going to align with their business partners, whether it's pharma, med, our commercial technology business, to make sure back to exactly what Marco said, you're working yourself backwards from exactly what the business needs so that we're not just pushing something forward that does not make sense for them. So I think having those key business partners, and when I say business partners, these are people that are getting the privilege of focus to work with their business very closely. Something else Marco said is when you're sitting in a room, you might not be able to tell who's the business and who's IT. And this is how tightly aligned you want to have that in making sure that the partnership really can not just work from a tactical and an operational standpoint, but also work from a strategic standpoint.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Um, Marco, curious how you apply that at Goldman as well. Is is there a way in which that kind of working backward mentality can be used with your leaders um, and and peers to be able to figure out, okay, what are the main things that we're going to focus on here and how are we going to make sure that across the organization we're really rowing in the same direction?
3: First of all, we involve uh, by definition the business uh, leaders uh, in our working backwards process. We actually create narratives that are reviewed uh, and it's actually surprising how If you go to a business person and you're asking them to review a PowerPoint, they're never gonna do it for you. But if you ask them to be a peer reviewer of a client-centric document that actually explains the customer pain points first, they will jump at that and add the actual narratives and add their own experience in dealing with customers, et cetera, et cetera. So they are embedded part of the process. And we also like Michelle said, we have developed a very strong product management discipline within uh, engineering that has their purpose is really to bridge this gap between non-technical people and the business people and then the technical people. And they are the stewards of the roadmaps and the stewards of the service level expectations. They are the stewards of the customer uh, experience. And those are actually something that we can measure. We can measure in terms of customer satisfaction. We can measure in terms of adoption. We can measure in terms of retention. And the trick is, to measure technology with business KPIs, because at the end of the day, it's all about outcomes. Then nobody cares if your latency has gone down 3% or STP ratios going up to 98.9%. What they love is, hey, we were able to actually capture this class of customers, which had that requirements because we actually made the service better. So you always bring it back to something that is directly related to, to that. And then another pretty phenomenal tool for us has been... Uh, you know, the way we completely changed our budgeting process. It used to be classic, CIO goes in front of uh, someone and goes like, hey, last year I had four and this year I want 4.5, okay, here's 4.3. We actually now actually do a zero-based budget. So we start from zero entitlement. So we actually restart from zero every year. And we rebuild it up initiative by initiative from uh, you know the, 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 the ground up and then we prioritize it into categories and then we kind of link it to, okay, this is for, for example, uh, 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 new initiatives that are actually linked to this particular business growth areas. And these are you know c- catering, for example, to regulatory requirements, et cetera. And then we prioritize that. And that process is done together with the business leadership because they will actually input uh, what the business priorities are. And when you start from zero, you're forcing yourself to stack rank and on obviously you stack rank uh, based on your strategy. And if you can't, that means you don't have a strategy. At that point, you know, you're actually need to, you're forced to do one. And that has been, this year, we took almost three months going through that process. And uh, with hundreds of iterations, we reviewed uh, with the leadership like in excess of 2,500 individual programs. Uh, and I think that was a really absolute game changer for us.
2: Great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. that. That's super interesting. And there is something about starting back with zero that really forces you to uh, yeah. take that blank slate approach and see where maybe there are some some potholes that you might be heading toward. Um, another thing that's, that's come up a lot over the course of this conversation and, and throughout the conference today has been really just the flexibility of talent and the ways in which a lot of organizations are Reskilling and upskilling folks across their teams, but also seeing people move from one part of the organization to another part of the organization. And it's almost like that enterprise mindset in practice and really starting to see what happens when the organization becomes more permeable. Michelle, uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you're thinking about that at, at Cardinal and how some of this enterprise thinking starts to apply to your broader talent strategy, both sort of within IT, but, but beyond that as well.
4: Number one, I love this conversation. I love this topic <clears throat> because talent, of course, without our talent, then we have nothing. So it is about making sure that you get recruiting the right people, Continuing to re-recruit. We also do stay interviews. So not just wanting to do interviews and exit interviews when people leave, but understand why are people continuing to stay and what's keeping them energized? But well, when you think about this enterprise mindset and our talent, We have found that our talent appreciates when they're given opportunities for stretch assignments, things that maybe are not in their particular silo or their wheelhouse, or things that they haven't done before. I continue to encourage the team that many times people see things in you that you don't see in yourself. So when someone asks you about an opportunity, have the conversation as to why were you the person that they reached out to or that they selected for this opportunity? Well, I'll give you an example. We formed an SAP COE. Prior to that, we had our SAP talent spread out all over the org, but well, what you found is that was kind of boxing people in into the segment they supported or the function that they supported. Now having the COE, they have an opportunity to move around and work on all things that are SAP, and we've seen energy levels go up. We've seen excitement around this structure, so I would just say that you have to be careful. Not I think as leaders sometimes, unintentionally, you may box people in in the space where they work, but I think it's important to have people that you can stretch and move and sometimes give them a little nudge into doing something that's outside of their comfort zone.
2: Michelle, sticking with you briefly, I'm I'm curious how this also applies to a kind of recruitment strategy. As you're looking out at new talent across the organization, how are you identifying those people to bring into IT or or thinking about other parts of the organization from a recruiting uh, standpoint?
4: So what I appreciate is the tight alignment we also have. So outside of just the direct business, I have an extremely close relationship with my HR business partners. So making sure that they understand where there other opportunities. I've encouraged my team when we do succession planning, give me at least a couple of people on your succession plan that are not within IT. So now you've spread it out and given some of the responsibility of looking for talent to some of your leaders and even people below. So if you think about building succession plans, managering up, then if we can have at least one or two people sprinkled here and there that are not within IT, then that's also about your diversity and inclusion strategy as well. Marco,
2: curious how you, when you're going through a hiring process or you're thinking about training a new leader, moving someone into a new position, how do you start to identify the change agents or how do you screen for people who have that enterprise mindset or the potential to develop it? Are there... Any sorts of uh, behaviors or characteristics that that you've seen that are really representative of this?
3: It's kind of a multi-layered approach. One thing I actually liked what Michelle said about succession planning, and we went to the extent of even having uh, in the succession planning, people indicate not only colleagues outside their own organization, but even external people outside the company. So actually identify talent in the industry that could be in the succession plan so that you are aware of others that are actually kind of done something interesting outside uh, outside Goldman Sachs. In the interview process, uh, when we talk about uh, this cultural shift and this mindset shift from pure IT to more like, you you have this new engineer 2.0, which is as aware of business as they are aware of technology. We crystallize that uh, into a set of engineering tenets. So those are like prescriptive in a way, Ways we look at the world—that uh, uh, you know—it's a list of, uh, of of nine tenets, which are, for example, build with purpose, which is essentially understanding the why, or uh, uh, you know, obsessing over the user experience, or uh, looking around corners, or in- innovating incrementally. So they're really like trying to crystallize what are the behavioral characteristics uh, of people. Because by the way, it's a little bit about knowledge, of course, but a lot is about behavior. Behavior is actually somehow more important than knowledge because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you might not apply it at the right time. And so we do behavioral and we do like smart type of uh, interviews, which is the situational behavioral type of uh, of interviews where we try to embed those tenets into you know situational questions, and we ask. Uh, Uh, Leaders uh, to describe a situation where, uh, you know, for example, you had uh, to arbitrate between uh, a customer commitment uh, and, uh, you know, a newly discovered uh, issue that would would stretch the timeline. So, like this kind of always pulling into two uh, directions and see how people have actually behaved in those uh, in those cases. Always putting the customer at the center, and then I always like to ask the question: What's the project that you're most proud of? That's a super. uh, Telling because uh, if it is proud because you solved the big problem, you maybe get passing grades. But if it, you're proud because of your ego, you definitely don't pass uh, the grades. <laughs> if you're happy because you actually made customers or clients happy, and you solve the customer problem, then you get, you know, like A+. And then the next question is always like when they're all excited about that, I ask, okay, what is your biggest professional fail? And I tell you that just the way they approach the answer, it tells you a lot because you have people that are like faking the answer. Like, oh, my biggest professional failure was not to believe in my capabilities enough. That kind of stuff. <laughs> like whatever. And, uh, and others that are just basically scratching their head and say, where do I start? Because I mean, everybody will live uh, in, customer, uh, you know, in a customer world where you know, I always say, life is like a you know a l you have the stuff that you've done right, it's your revenue. The stuff that you've done wrong is your cost. And as long as you have positive EBITDA, like you have 30% or so, you're in good shape. But if you have negative EBITDA, maybe you can, you know, you're a little bit in trouble. But if you have a 90% or 100% EBITDA, then maybe you're actually not really looking at your books in the right way. And so really looking at the balance between success and failure is a huge indicator for us of people that are really customer centric because issues will happen. And the first thing that builds trust with customers is to be able to fully recognize something that you've done wrong and something that you can change. And we even embed that in the working backwards process in a section that we call like the harsh FAQ where we ask ourselves the harshest questions that a customer could ask. So that's kind of really why it's really deeply cultural. At the end of the day, it's not about Technology too much. It's about actually like uh, the way you really approach uh, the world in a different way, with all the knowledge that you have accumulated in actually building stuff for your customers and solving real problems.
2: Yes, yes indeed. Well, thanks, Marco. I'm gonna have to go and take a look at my my personal PL after this and, and report back to you, um, Michelle Marco. The last question that I have for, for each of you in the in the few minutes that we have is just would love to hear any sort of tips that you have for the folks in the audience that they might take into their own organizations. Obviously, an enterprise mindset involves a lot of behaviors, um, a lot of different actions over time. But are are there any kind of tips or things that you feel are um, particularly salient when thinking about driving this mindset that you'd like to share with the group? Um, Michelle, maybe we can start with you.
4: I would say, first of all, we need to have the do say ratio, do what we say that we will do. And also just being mindful that if people enjoy working with you, then they'll enjoy working for you. So just making sure that your team understands that you have their back. And when you're asking them to do something, you're clear and able to articulate the reason that you're asking and the outcome that we hope to achieve. I've just found that being extremely effective in your communication methods with your teams
3: yields great results.
2: Excellent. Um, and, And Marco, over to you.
3: I think in a, the complexity of the business that we live in today, it almost forces you to take dependencies on each other. Right? You can't really try to build everything yourself in a silo. And so when you're thinking about this heavily interconnected organization, at the end of the day, the thing that actually matters the most is trust. And in order to actually build trust because you're actually taking dependencies on others for your goals, I think the, my tip is the biggest currency for trust is transparency. So we over index on transparency. When we say transparency is, you know, with transparency of roadmaps, we do two by twos of like hundreds of products where we actually do a sort of a, you know, this is what went right, this is what went wrong. And this, you know, the deadlines that we missed the same way as the deadlines that uh, we achieved. These are our service level expectations. This is how we miss them. This is how we're actually meeting them. So we kind of give uh, business people in their own language a tool to like read through the organization and understand if we're actually going in the right direction or not. And I think the building of trust is really the currency that brings those two teams together because at the end of the day, that's also what resonates on the customers.
2: Excellent insight. We will wrap up for today. Michelle, Marco, thank you so much for, for such an engaging conversation. I've learned a ton. I have no doubt that the audience has as well. Thank you so much for taking the time and I will look forward to catching up again soon.
4: Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.